Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. One of the things that our grove is known for, if it's known for anything positive sometimes, I think, is <laughs> doing a lot of video work. And one of the cool things that we've gotten to do, or really two of the cool things, I suppose, um, is recording videos of ritual for people who don't have another ritual outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done that for both um, Reverend Devin's projects, um, where he was originally doing high day rites as live Facebook events mm-hmm. for solitaries. Um, those are mostly archived on the old ADF solitaries group, so they're not gettable. You can't really watch those unless you're already a, a member of that group. Right. Um, but the two that we did, we recorded separately as well. Uh, and you can now find those up on the Three Cranes YouTube video, which is youtube.com slash 3CG videos. And the other thing is a project put together by the Archdruid Drum, um, and now headed and mostly run by Reverend Amber Doty, mm-hmm. uh, who does a fabulous job of yes, cutting these things together, um, where each of the clergy members who wants to participate will record a ritual part, and then Reverend Doty will take them and put them all together. Yep, she'll splice them together into a full uh, court order of ritual for whatever high day we're doing. Yep. And it's a, a fabulous little project. Um, both of them are fabulous projects um, that we've been very fortunate to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and I will say, we used to record a lot of our own Grove rites, but those, I don't think, served the same um, community or served the same purpose because they were done for our Grove and they were recorded not as a participatory experience, but as, like, a, a viewer experience. Yeah, they, and they were incidentally included for, uh, or recorded for people to watch. Right, and so they're useful for learning how to do things, I think, but they did not meet the mark as far as including people and making rituals that they were involved in and um, were receiving the blessings from and those kinds of things, which I think um, we've really been doing probably a pretty good job so far with what we've got. We're, everyone's obviously still making adjustments, and I think we're getting better at it. Yeah. Um, Davin's uh, solitary rites, they came around before that, I believe, 
right? Yeah, they were about maybe a year before um, Drum asked us to start doing yeah. the, the like mixed part high days. That sounds about right. The, uh, but I think he came up with this idea really kind of all on his own. Oh, yeah, yeah. He just decided he was going to start doing it because um, Reverend Davin was a solitary priest, so he didn't have a grove that he belonged to, and the way that Michael and I have our local community folk are the people in central Ohio, um, Davin's, his folk were the solitaries of ADF. Um, and so he, like, he focused a lot of his work on serving, um, that population. And so when he came up with this idea, like, it really, it made sense for him to be doing, and he was really good at it. Um... And a lot of people appreciated it. Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot from them myself. On I know <laughs> how to record ritual, how to how to make them, you know, accessible and, and work for people. Yeah, that's um, really where our um, our prayer to Garnus, King of the Internet, came out of. Because we would Garnus is our gatekeeper in our grove a lot of times, and uh, since we were going to be sending blessings and transmissions across the interwebs, uh, one of the prayers we would make was. Um, to ensure that our our communication would be heard and that we wouldn't lose the live feed. Yes, because that's <laughs> a very real danger when doing those. It was, I don't know, he, he'd been doing them for a year almost yeah. when he asked us if we would step in and take over a high day. Yeah, because he had something come up and yeah, so... He, he wasn't able to do it. And so we had the AV equipment and we could do it. Yeah. So the two of us stepped in to do a solitary ritual, which yeah. was it interesting was, on its own. It was interesting on its own because neither one of us are really used to doing solitary high days, I don't think. And certainly not used to doing ritual facing a camera. Yeah, like to the folk on the other side of that camera was a very new experience. It was. And it was a very, a very good experience because it gave us a new appreciation for how video interacts with the viewer um, and how we can interact with the viewer through it. So one of the things that we learned from from Davin was um, how to do a blessing cup. Right. And having people come with their own cup to sit at the sit at their computer and then being able to, to bless their water with instruction and, and right. information from us. Um, one of the other things that I think is cool is we start talking about, like, the, the clergy council high day videos that we're putting out. Um, we, we spent some of the Trillium gathering recording some parts so that Amber uh, would have a backlog of pieces. Because um, sometimes things, you know, people get busy, things get down to the wire, and you're like, oh, man, I forgot to record that part. So we recorded some extras for her to have. Um, but one of the things that I did for that recording was take an omen. Which, when you're recording pieces um, either ahead of time or even when we're doing them, like, in the real time of she's asked us to submit pieces within the next three weeks or whatever, um, taking the omen is really, really weird in those cases because, like, you don't know what other offerings have been made and you don't know what other people have said. You don't know what the invocations have been. You don't know how Um, many takes they had to do to get You don't know how many takes they had to do. (laughs) And all you're doing is taking the omen. Um, and so I, I'm sure there are other clergy who have done this particular piece who have a completely different approach than me. Um, but the way that I take that omen and um, the way it feels like an actual omen and description of the blessings as opposed to um, 
just picking like random symbols out of a bag. Yeah. Um, the way it, so when I envision that and I think about have our offerings been accepted, the way that I approach that is the offerings that we are making collectively are the work of these videos. Um, and so I know that the other members of the clergy who have submitted videos, their offering is the work of putting that part together and the work of submitting it and the work of the clergy council as a whole producing these. And so for me, those are, when I'm taking the omen, that is the offering that I'm thinking about and I'm asking, has that been accepted? Um, and so rather than me having to worry about like, did people remember to pour out their grain in the bowl? Uh, did they remember to say, shiny ones accept our offering? Like all of those things don't matter because what I'm looking at is the offering is whether or not the work that is happening has been accepted. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to, to talk about the omen in particular because early on when we first recorded ADF Ritual to put up on uh, YouTube or put up online and you don't know this because you weren't around so new information <laughs> New for information you. for me, alright, go. Um we had a very serious conversation about the omen and what it, what we would do with that. Because we had options. We could very easily have loaded the bag and taken everything out that we didn't like and said, all right, we're, we're just going to put in, you know, these three omens and we're going to pull those three in order. Um... You mean for the purposes of, like, recording a, a ritual for people to watch? Yep. We, we, we talked about essentially making a, uh, uh, a pretend omen. And if you, if you go back and you look at some of our early work, um, which is on the ADF YouTube, uh, you'll, you'll find one in particular called an ADF Woodland Blessing or something like that. It's a woodland blessing. And it's where... Uh, Karen, Sue, and I are walking out into the woods at Brushwood, and we sit down and we do a ritual right there. And I'm the only one who screwed up a part in that whole thing, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> it was the very last line of the ritual. It was terrible. Anyway, um, we pulled an omen, and, and we decided that what we were definitely going to do was we were going to pull an actual omen. And so from that first ritual that we did to put online so that people could watch it, we have had that conscious decision not to pack our omens or not to... Um, not to stage it. Not to stage it. So every omen that you see pulled on those clergy videos is pulled live. Essentially, um, you're seeing the first take. Right. Yeah, I I I'm feel pretty confident saying that even though some people may take multiple um, takes, multiple shots of the other pieces, I'm pretty confident saying that the when the when you've assigned the omen, you do it once. Yeah. And that's what you get. Yeah. We haven't actually spoken to the other priests about that. But yeah, but we, I, I can't I'm, imagine it going. I'm any fairly way. confident that that must be what people are doing. We should maybe ask that question. Yeah, somehow. we should. Um, because I'd be interested to hear the answer. But anyway. For, for when we do it, for sure, it's a it's a first time. First run is the first is the one that you do. Um, the only exception to that is when 
last year at Trillium when we were recording, and something happened just before you pulled an omen, I stopped you. Pulled you out of trains because there was there was background noise that we couldn't get rid of. I have no recollection of this, probably because I was in trance. I was in trance. Um, <laughs> but I, I pulled you out at that point and you hadn't pulled the omen yet. So I felt I felt okay and I, I remember very distinctly that I was like, wait, wait, wait. Let's not pull that omen yet. So it was a very conscious decision on your part? It was a very conscious decision on my part because if you'd pulled it, what was I going to do? Make it do it again? No, that, that wouldn't have worked. Um, I'll see if I can find the video. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that now because I have no recollection of that. Yeah. Someone shouted something vaguely obscene at their children because their children were misbehaving. <laughs> <laughs> and there was no way I could have edited it out. Um, but yeah, in terms of the omen, that's one of the things that uh, um, that is pretty consistently the case is that we're we're taking that first first track and then and using that only. Yeah, it's interesting because when we um, when we do rehearsals for Dublin Irish Festival, which is our huge like three hundred person super public uh, Lunasa, which right? we also live cast, which we live cast, but we do rehearsals for it. Um, to practice, like, where people are going to be standing on stage because it's really different. You're not standing in a circle. And so, in some ways, it feels like a fake ritual, but it's also not. Because we take an omen during that, and we consider that the omen for that ritual, which isn't going to be the same as the one that we pull, obviously, in the the big public one. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting to think about the parallels there of the rehearsal. Yeah, and it's... It's an interesting thing with pagan ritual in general, um, as opposed to other mainstream religions, where you can script out the entirety of an order of service for any mainstream religion. Mm -hmm. Because those mainstream religions, the services, they don't change based on new information. Right. Our rituals change based on new information because we get it. We ask for it in the middle of the rite. And that can really throw a serious monkey wrench into a, a a public ritual where you don't know what the outcome of the omen is. Right. I um, I was actually talking to someone about this this weekend. We were talking about um, techniques for writing sermons mm-hmm. and how mainstream religions, they have classes and stuff on how to write sermons. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're vocal essays in a way. Um, and we were talking about how some of those skills would be useful for us, but a lot of them aren't because it's a very different scenario. Um, and so, like, A, we don't really give sermons, right? Um, yeah. But in other ways, we do. Um, because when you're when you're doing the return flow and you're asking people to think about the blessings and take them into their lives and their communities, that is, if you had to make a comparison... Yeah. That's our sermon. And the fact that... How do you live these virtues and blessings? Right. Yeah. So, but the fact that part of that, like, part of our training is being able to do that on the fly. Yes. And I think that's a really essential piece of our training that isn't transferable necessarily to other clergy. Like, it's not, it yeah. doesn't look the same. Well, and it wouldn't be necessarily even useful to Right. Like, it, it wouldn't... It, it's not something that they are called upon regularly to do, right. I would say. When you are for lack of a better word, when you are preaching from a set of holy writ that is entirely writ. 
you have that benefit of it being writ. <laughs> exactly. And we don't have that necessarily when we're asking for an omen. Sure, we know what the symbols are, and we can read the symbols just fine, but they're very contextualized. Yeah. And so that piece really bears itself through in all the work that we do, but also particularly in the public rights and the video rights and things like that. Yeah, I think it's especially noticeable in the video rights because you... You don't know what the omen is, and you're taking what you've got, and you have to determine what you're actually asking. And yeah, the other neat thing I think about the cut and paste version of the clergy rights that we really have, which is, I mean, everyone's doing their own thing. Everyone has their own style of ritual. So from video to video to video, you're going to see different people doing different stuff. In really different ways. Um, in really different ways, yeah. And, you know, you can watch Nancy uh, honor the nature spirits in one video. And then you can watch Guernan honor the nature spirits in another. And you can see a vast difference between the way that they do it. Right. And it's beautiful that we are so different, even though we have that common core order of ritual that we... Uh, that we all work in and we have kind of similar backgrounds and training and things like that. Yeah, well, and I think that's especially important to think about with, um, with these video rituals designed, especially for solitaries, is it can be hard, um, to feel a part of this community, but I think it really comes out in these cut and paste clergy council videos because it shows our commonality of practice. Yes. Um, it might look different what you're doing and people will have all different ways of approaching the spirits and of interacting with them but when you paste it all together and you look at all the different high day videos that we've got out so far it's very obvious there's this commonality of practice and I think that is the key thing for us and for the solitaries that ties us together and gives us an, an identity yes no matter who you are or where you are working, um, we have certain things that we can fall back on. And those things are beautiful in their diversity, even though they're all about the same thing. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I think there's, there's comfort to be taken in, these are my people, they're doing what I'm doing, and I belong. So if you're looking for those rights, you'll find them on the ADF Druidry uh, YouTube page um, and again if you're looking for the solitary rights that we did and we should really do more of those we I should think. do more of those um, we'll talk to Davin about that yeah. um, if you're looking for the ones that we did they're on our YouTube page which is youtube.com slash 3CG videos thanks for listening and there's more to come we welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.